The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Hey, welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. I used to write a bunch of weekly columns for a bunch of internet places, and I would use those columns to put forth all sorts of crazy opinions. Then, I'd come on this show to defend those opinions. But now I don't really do that. I just do this show. Joining me today, he is a musician and composer who's responsible for the music on TV shows like True Blood and, most importantly, my favorite show in the whole damn world, The Americans. We are so excited to have him here today. Ladies and gentlemen, Nate Barr. Also joining me, he's my co-host, so he's here every week. And honestly, I am running out of things to say about him as of approximately two years ago. I've done this so many times, you have no idea. Ladies and gentlemen, back for the what feels like millionth time, Jeff May. It's going to be a great show. Hey, welcome to Unpopular Opinion, everybody. Hi, hey, 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 hey. I want to, I, I want to watch that video every podcast. I want to watch a lot of videos every podcast. Yeah, that would be the best. And Cat says, "Hey," goes right up there. Cat says, "Hey" is a great one. And then there's that the one that's the song about being a cat. Holy shit, it's another fucking day. It's the best oh, yeah. day ever again. Because <laughs> I'm a stupid fucking cat and I don't know shit. And oh, the, cats oh. are good kitties. They are. Oh, my God, they're so good kitties. I tried to for the mystery box this month. It might have to be one of the later ones, though. Uh, my friend Nicole, who was in a band called Accidents, who do the theme song for the least anticipated podcast of the week. Yes, I don't know what that is. One of their band shirts just says Accidents, and then it has a cartoon drawing of a cat getting ready to knock a drink oh, off a table. I like that. It's really great. We're trying, like to, trying to round some up to give to the people. An official unpopular opinion. Friend of accidents. the show. F-O-T-S, the accidents. Yes. So what are we talking about today? This is exciting. We're, talking, we're having one of our special. This is a special, special. It's a special. Interview. Interview it's a episodes. Interview pod. We do these once every couple of months, really. Yeah. Last one was with Frank Turner. Oh, yeah. That was a while ago. That, that we did at... Fucking six o'clock in the morning or six something. Six in the morning. Crazy like that. Yeah. Vanessa showed up early. Someone was excited. She thought it was four in the morning. <laughs> That's what she thought we were recording. <laughs> but today we're talking to Nate Barr, who does... Nate Barr. He worked with Warren G on Regulate. Uh, no. No, that is Nate Dog, who is dead now. So we're, ta- we're doing like a seance podcast? or I want to do one of those at some point. That would be... <laughs> Such a boring podcast. <laughs> The, edit, just, the editing thing would just edit out all the yeah. times when nothing happens. Yeah. It it's would. like an 18-minute podcast. <laughs> some dumbass medium yeah. clanking her pearls together while she's trying to find a ghost of someone that never lived in the first place. <laughs> I still want to do it, though. Yeah? We'll, we'll have you on when we do it. Oh, good. 
That's what you want, a skeptic to ruin the room. Yeah, yeah. Everybody must believe. Oh. Jeff's out. Later. I'm going to go watch The Good Wife. What? Have what? you watched it yet? I sent you a text of a picture of the opening sequence from the, fir- the, from the pilot. Yeah, I did Where the, her I and her husband are holding hands. That's like the whole opening shot of the whole entire thing. So you still haven't watched The Americans, though? No, not yet. That... I did watch Glow. Okay. It's not The Americans. It's, I, there's so much shit. I know. Like, how much time do I have to watch all these shows and still find time to, I don't know, I was going to say something else, and I just lost it. Yeah, I lost who knows? It. I fell apart. But ev- everyone should go watch The Americans. I need to see it. I think it's arguably the best show on television, and it has my favorite opening theme of any show on television, and that's actually how we ended up doing this podcast. Back when I was first getting into The Americans, I loved that theme song so much, so I Googled it, assuming it was like just some kind of classic Russian song. Yeah. And no, original composition by Los Angeles's own Nate Barr. Nate Barr. So, Hold up. Wait. <laughs> Nate Barr. Still, still the wrong one. Oh, shit. Still the wrong one. I am really. But definitely, definitely make that joke when we have him what on was the it phone. Like working with Eminem. Eminem. What was it like working with him? Eminem. I'm going to. Should I be British? And me's Jeff Mimey's. <laughs> What's it like to do the musics, you are? I'm assuming Frank Turner never listened to the episode. No. no. We did and heard us doing weird British accents for the entirety. <laughs> we didn't get blocked. So. Yeah, that's true. He retweeted it, though. That was nice of him. He's going to be here in September. Let's see if we can get backstage and meet him. Yeah, that would be nice. Right. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is one of our interview podcasts that we do sometimes, and they always go so well. They're always fun. No no uh, problems or kinks or... Yeah. Or... Unfortunately, there's no chat here to oh. ask Nate what his favorite type of bar is. What's your favorite type of bar? <laughs> no, the last interview podcast was not Frank Turner. It was uh, one of the Fastball guys. Oh, that's, that's right. right. Tony Scalzo from yeah, Fastball. Yeah, it was one of the ones I could skip, so I felt pretty good about that. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Jeff with the digs. Oh, yeah. You just got got Tony Scalzo of Smash Mouth. <laughs> so we only have to kill 18 minutes till we have to make That's this fine. phone call. All right. What's your fa- do, how, how do, I feel like you're probably more knowledgeable and or into movie scores and TV scores yeah, I like, than I am. I do like a musical composition. I do like an original comp. Yeah. On that. I mean, obviously, there's like the John Williams stuff and the Danny Elfman stuff. I mean... For a while, the only real noticeable ones that I always viewed were Williams and Elfman. Right. And like that was like all the big blockbusters. And then you're kind of like, oh, yeah, Hans Zimmer. He just kind of like reminded everybody that he's right, pretty fantastic, too. And he did like his Dark Knight scores were always fantastic. Right. We'll actually talk to Nate about that. One of his first jobs after moving to L.A. was working with Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer has like an orchard that work under him of of yeah. composers it's crazy like i've met several of them yeah like just they're just like oh, i work for and they're like 20 somethings like just brilliant yeah i mean if i trust anyone to find talent in that yeah. arena it would be someone like hans zimmer it is kind of nuts though that like once you reach a certain level you are more sort of like management 
of composition. Yeah, where you're for like, sure. You're like the overseeing, like you picture, just picture like Hans Zimmer in a short sleeve shirt and tie <laughs> in an office making sure everybody's composing stuff, right? Yeah. But that is when it gets to a certain level. Like, yeah, it's a thing you work your way up to, yeah. but I, I think it still kind of makes sense. Like, yeah. Well, you have <laughs> protégés, people that learn yeah. under you, and then you get, obviously, final say in tweaks and everything like that. Yeah. Like, I, I give Dr. Dre a lot of shit in columns and on podcasts for not actually producing a lot of his the production. songs that end up on his albums. But at the same time, it, it's kind of the same argument I make for people who don't write their own songs. Yeah. It's like, but they're also very good at picking songs, which is a skill in and of yeah. itself. And if you have someone as talented as Dr. Dre standing over the shoulder of someone that he also recognizes as talented, that's kind of the same thing. It's like being an agent. Yeah. Recognizing talent. I, um, it's funny, too. There's this um, there's a story. I think it was like something like the oral history of The Chronic or something like that. But they were talking about how like Dre threw that album together. And a lot of it's just like when you look at the lyric sheet, it's just like DOC freestyle 16 bars. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what? Like, that's what you want me to do on your debut huge album? Yeah. It fucking worked. That's it. Yeah, that's how the best stuff happens sometimes. 12, 12 skits. Corrupt freestyles. Those skits, man. Those are. are the, I don't listen to enough new rap music to know how prevalent those still are. But I'm yeah. assuming they haven't gone. Is away. there like a good like a twenty dollars sack pyramid on the on a Run the Jewels album <laughs> or something like that? Now that's one thing. Now that I think about it, that I really like about Run the Jewels, they don't do skits. Yeah. At least not a They're lot. Too woke for skits. Yeah, they don't do enough that I I notice it. So uh, we'll ask Nate Barr what his favorite rap skit is. Absolutely. I think it would be the um, racist Chinese store uh, after Fuji La on the Fuji's. Oh, probably. Or maybe the, uh, the donut-seeking cop from, the Ice, from Ice Cube's Predator album. Yeah, that is good. Yeah. I, Just stick uh, your head in here, man. I like the doctor's office because it doesn't make sense. Right, right. Where it's just a woman trying to have sex with Dr. Dre. But guess what? He's already having sex with another woman. Whoops. Which is crazy when you're gay <laughs> to have to have that many women. It's like, you sure about that, Dre? You sure that's what's happening? <laughs> that's, that's a scurrilous rumor, Jeff. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean, to, didn't mean to spread rumors. Sorry about that. So remember that Will Smith sketch where he's having <laughs> sex with all those women? Him and Will Tom Cruise. Have you seen Eminem's new beard? No, I don't pay attention to Eminem. The, the internet was all ablaze. People, He's got a beard now. There was a list cast of greatest rap albums of all time, and people were losing their goddamn minds that Eminem didn't make it. His albums aren't that great. They're not. Like, he's a great rapper, and he's got a lot of great singles. If we were talking best rapper of all time, I might put Eminem maybe. on my list. But, like, Jesus Christ. Like, the albums they're not that. that good. Yeah. Like, they're, they're like Kevin Smith movies. Like, you remember yeah. them way better than they actually are. Like, I really enjoyed the Slim Shady LP. Right. Like, it was great. And then I listened to it recently, and I was like, there's like four songs that yeah. I really enjoy there. But his skill isn't, like, yeah. you can't deny that. Yeah, there's no Eminem album that I would hold up. But I would put any Ludacris album over an Eminem album. And I don't know if those made it made the cut, did they? No. No, see? Like, there's a lot of albums. Yeah. Everyone can't. Busta Rhymes? Like, uh, yeah, I don't remember. So yeah, so like yeah, I'm sorry that they left out the white guy. Yeah, that's famous, but like, who gives a shit? 
So back to scores. What is your favorite movie score? I mean, it's hard to deny all everything going on with like The Empire Strikes Back. And, yeah. And, like those are so good. Actually, I think Return of the Jedi, because Return of the Jedi has a lot of the recurring themes from the originals, but also has like that uh what is it? The uh the song that by Cy Snoodles, the one where she sings where it's like a trashy disco song. Oh that yeah. That John Williams wrote, and like the story behind that is so insane. Yeah. And so like that like that adds sort of this extra level of like oh they really like had fun and progressed with this. Right. Um so that one like that score really hold, like Return of the Jedi and, and Empire Strikes Back and obviously Star Wars. Those three original but then even in the Phantom Menace, Duel of the Fates might yeah. be one of my best one of the best pieces. Right. But scores they set such like what would Jaws be without its score or Halloween. I mean, right. Halloween would still be great, but I, that score yeah. really pushed it over the top. And that really is what I think catapults John Carpenter into being amazing. Right. Because he did that. Like, that's his music. Yeah. Which blows my mind. Right. Because like, it's not common that the filmmaker also does the no. score for the film. No. And when you see that, like, sometimes, like, talent... To be re- to be at the top of your game on any one thing is super impressive, right? When it's just like, oh, this guy's like this real, but then you see them like, oh, I did these drawings because this is how I wanted it to see, and they're like super fantastic yeah. detailed drawings, and you're like, fuck, man, like like someone like Justin Timberlake, where you're like, fuck you for being that good at everything. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of annoying. Like, stop. Like, that's why, like. As a person, I might like Peyton Manning more than Tom Brady because at least Peyton Manning's an ugly doofus. And I'm For like, sure. at least there's that. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, I, I don't know, it's, I don't mean looking like Tom Brady. Stop looking like a model. Yeah. Stop. Literally the only difference between the two, kind of. Yeah. Because they both have horrible politics. Yeah. They're both awkward as fuck in commercials. Oh, also, uh, I don't think Tom Brady's ever sexually assaulted anyone. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Not that we know of. Yeah. TV scores, I do have to, I do have to say that uh, the X-Files theme holds up for me as yeah. just like a there isn't a to me like a mood better mood setting theme right than just that very simple whistle followed by although unsolved mysteries too yeah that like very simple repetitive sound like the law and order theme yeah yeah that's was that bum, 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 yeah bum. that to me like i'm musically awful like, I have a tin ear. And personally and, awful also. Yeah, well, for sure. But that's... I'm right. adding something to it. Oh, sure, sure. Go on. I'm musically, like, super untalented. I don't get how people can do this. Like, it blows my fucking mind that somebody's just like, I'm watching this. Okay, I have this. And then they just throw something together. Yeah. That was the hardest part of the Warhorse thing was coming up with music for it. Because I had to just kind of blindly go into a free music website because I don't know composers and shit and just find classical pieces and like shit that would work as background music. And I ended up writing that around the music instead of writing it and then finding music for it because I knew kind of what I wanted the story to be and like what sections I wanted. So I just, it's, I, I had to just get really creative with keywords. We'll have to have Nate Barr. Listen score. To, listen to the yeah. yeah like have him do the next, the next war, war horse special. I'm sure he'd be down. Why he, not? What's he doing? Yeah, he's he busy. What's he got going on? Yeah, but, yeah. Like I always, I respect a lot of. I respect musicians for what they. I remember because we had this conversation with uh, John Gorley. 
where he was like, I don't know how you guys do what you do. Yeah. And we looked at him like he was the craziest person in the world. Yeah. Because it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's, yeah, the thing with musicians is, to me, the thought of John, who has to play guitar and sing at the same time, yeah. or Kyle, who has multiple yeah. fucking keyboards and he's singing at the same time. Yeah, right. And one night, Kyle went out on stage when I was touring with them and said something about how what I do is the the bravest thing because I don't have an instrument to hide behind. I'm like, I'm glad I don't have an instrument. You don't have to, to fuck hide up an behind. instrument, you know? Yeah, I can just show up and talk, and it's so easy. I only have one thing to fuck up. Yeah, yeah. You have several. Yeah, it's, you have levels of it. Yeah, it blows my mind. Yeah, that's a it's a weird kind of disconnect, but it's super common. Like it, it's pretty much every musician. I saw it written once that every comic wants to be a musician and every musician wants to be a comic. Yeah, I saw that with actor. Every yeah. actor wants to be a musician and every musician wants to be an actor. Yeah. I've seen that too. Where it's like, yeah, I guess if if you're artistic, you probably want to stretch those muscles a little bit. Like right. I'm jealous. Like I wish I could sing. Yeah. But like you can sing, I Jeff. Can't. Sing poison for the people. See, that was good. Uh, all right, yeah. All right. Well, okay. We so even I'm, harmonized on the So end. I'm I'm a great singer, but right. it would be good to be even better. Yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's super impressive to me. I can't do it. Yeah. I've tried. I tried doing like, let me go try to play guitar. And I'm just like, well, my <laughs> fingers are bleeding and this sounds awful. So yeah, I, I play, can't make sense of it. I played guitar for a lot of years, but I would like see Prince play guitar. And I'm just like, I'm never going to be that good or even close to it. I don't have the time. So why bother? There are there are talents that I recognize that I don't use. Like math for me is something very easy that like if something shows up like simple math or what, what, you know, like I look at things very numerically and that to me makes sense. And so I feel like musicians that works to in their direction where they see something or they can like throw something together in their head. Yeah. And just be like, well, this is how it should sound. And they could just do that. Yeah. Like, I just don't have that filter over my brain that hits the music stuff. Yeah. 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 It's just an extra step. I'm glad I don't have to do. You know, I just want to sit back and relax and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And like with podcasts, I can just like I have to do some research and shit. But otherwise, we just sit here. We just chit chat. We just talk the back and forth. Yeah. Hey, we just talking the back and forth. Yeah. So are there any TV shows on right now that you I'll probably this is a question I'll probably ask him also. But are there any shows on right now that stand out to you as far as having especially good music? You know, it's it's interesting because my TV viewing is all viewed primarily through like Hulu, Amazon. And sure. Stuff. Like I don't really like I'm always at least a season behind. Right. From most things. Um, so I, I don't really think of it like I. Yeah. I let the art as a whole work for itself. Yeah. Where it's not really. I mean, you know, there are certain songs that when they hit me, it, it makes me happy because they just. You know, like the Rick and Morty theme, I like hearing that theme because it means yeah. I know what's coming next. Uh, I always thought Breaking Bad's music was really great. Yeah. yeah I thought is. they did a really, really good job. Bow, wow. Yeah. Thank you. How do you do that? With your mouth. You do it. What else, you, what's, what else that mouth do? <laughs> so uh, we should make this phone call pretty soon. Let's make this telephone call on our telephone. On our Skype-a-phone. Ah, fourth wall broken. I thought you were on the telephone. All right. So we're going to dial up Nate Barr. Here we go. Hold up. We will post this phone number online. No. 
Just joking. 505-386-7677. Yeah, it's weird. That's the number he gave. Why does this number start with 555? All right. 1900. What the hell? What the H? He wrote that. <laughs> Hello? Hey, is this Nate? Yes. Nate, this is Adam and Jeff from the Unpopular Opinion Podcast. How's it going? Not bad. How you guys doing? We're doing great. Yeah, we're doing really well. How's that? How's it going Good. over there? Uh, are you are you writing it's music? Sweltering. It's sweltering so hot out here. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm glad we have you doing this just via Skype. I would have felt awful if you had to travel in the 115 <laughs> degree weather where, for this. Where, where are you guys at? We're in downtown LA. Okay, got it. Yep. My, so there you go. My car like kind of was like, "Hey, I'm overheating because of how hot it is outside." Yeah, like it did that on the yeah. way here. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. oh, come on, man. Yeah, it's nuts. <laughs> so yeah, thank you for it's joining crazy. us. We uh, we uh, just just talked a little bit about uh, what you do. You do uh, the music for the Americans, among other things. But the Americans is yes. my absolute favorite show on television. And oh, nice, great. The theme for the Americans is, I think, probably the first television theme that I liked so much that I actually sought out information and oh nice googled it and that's how i i uh stumbled upon your work and i'm really excited to have you here thank you so much for doing it oh great yeah oh absolutely thanks i will say adam has not stopped talking about how good the music is in the americans <laughs> or the show itself <laughs> yeah that's so good yeah oh thanks thanks i'm really yeah i feel really lucky to be a part of it it's uh it's and it's also a really good bunch of people too which is which is um you know not always the case so it's it's like great all around yeah, for sure. Um, so yep. let's talk a little bit uh, about the the theme itself. You use some interesting instruments to kind of evoke a, a Russian feel mm-hmm. in people's minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk a little bit yep. about that and the process for scoring an episode of The Americans. Sure. When I first came on the show, we talked about a main title that wouldn't uh, rely too obviously on a, on a deliberately Russian sound. So we tried to stay away from Red Army Choir and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, and we were sort of all on the same page there. So um, I really just, um, I'm a cellist. So I I had written a demo suite for the show to get the show. And what I thought, what, what sort of was just a little motif in that show became Elizabeth's theme and then therefore became the theme of the show. And so that's what I plugged into the idea of the main title. And, um, you know, I have a, I have a, a big collection of instruments from around the world. And so I always try and uh, start there because I just love, you know, actually sitting down to an instrument and playing as opposed to doing it in the box as a sample or something. Right. And so, um, yeah, that, that, that uh, particular main title has a hammer dulcimer in it, which somehow is evocative of, of Russia, even though it's not particularly a Russian instrument. It's got cello, piano, prepared piano. I have this upright piano, um, which I saw it in half. Um, which uh, oh, I use quite a bit. Wait, wow. you, did, you did what? Yeah, yeah. it's an upright piano, and I, I had uh, a piano tech sort of just saw saw it in half lengthwise so all the keys and pedals are gone, so you can just access the harp of the strings inside. Oh, wow. Oh. And, and it's, just, it's just sort of a much easier way to get into the inner workings of a piano and not have to deal with, you know, um, you know, ducking behind keys and, and yeah. all that kind of thing. So, so like, in the in the music industry, would that sort of a thing be considered weird as shit? 
Because it seems like a super surprise that you're just like, well, I sawed a goddamn piano in half like a magician, yeah. and I just play the insides of it. <laughs> I mean, playing a, playing the strings of a piano in, in sort of unusual ways is is known as prepared piano, and that that is not in itself um, particularly uh, unusual per se. But but definitely, um, yeah, sawing a piano in half to do it is sort of a yeah, it's out there in a good way. And uh, he, my piano tech took it one step further. Um, I'm actually performing some of the music from the Americans Thursday night at the television Academy, just a little three minute thing. And we're, it's me and three friends on this, this sawed in half piano. Oh, wow. And uh, the, the piano tech put a swivel on it. So it actually swivels up into like a tabletop position. So you oh. play it. Um, as if, yeah. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's really, um, and that's certainly become, oh, become gonna... a signature sound in the show. So. I was, I was say it's really funny when you said that you were performing it live out here and we both perked up because we were like, <laughs> oh, well, we'll go buy tickets. And you said, at the TV Academy and we both went, oh, <laughs> it's fine. Maybe yeah. there will be video of it online. So the, I think there will be actually. Oh, that's awesome. We'll definitely uh, yeah. link to it if there's yeah. video. That sounds nice. amazing. So talk a little bit about the process for an episode of The Americans and kind of how that from start to finish works. Yeah. So basically, um, they shoot an episode, They and then when they're in the midst of cutting it or getting close to a lock cut, they'll send it to me. And oftentimes we don't actually spot anymore because we're sort of all really in each other's heads and on the same page at this point. But they send it over to me. Uh, it oftentimes has temp music in it, temporary music that is comprised of um, score I've written for previous episodes of the Americans that seems to approximate oh, sure. what they're going for. Oh. Sometimes that music stays as is because it works really well and it's thematically appropriate. And I, I don't think I could do better. And, and, um, and then sometimes of course I'm writing new cues as well. And um, so I basically spend, I don't know, like depending, you know, it, it's a show where there's less and less score as we move on. Uh, for sure. no other reason than the storytelling is, is so strong. I mean, I, I never watch an episode and go, God, there's like four places there where they should have score and they don't. It just, it, it's, it's such a beautifully told show yeah. that, that I think when the music does come in, it, it's, it's, it's super important and there's a, a real reason it's got to be there. And um, so, yeah, so I, so I spend a couple of days writing and then send that over to the uh, cutting room back in New York because all of post is in New York. They take a listen to it, send me notes, and we sort of go back and forth until we get things into, into shape. No, I, I'm always picturing um, – have you ever seen the movie um, Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Are you familiar with that movie? <laughs> I just—it's so funny you say that. I just watched that on the plane uh, like a week ago. Well, that's—I think most of us, if we have any idea of the of what you do, it's only from the scenes where he's scoring. <laughs> like that's all most people yeah. would really know. Like your yeah. layman is just like oh, yeah. like from the movie. Now, when you're recording, right. are you in kind of a studio like that where there's like the producer in the that's, other room and? Right. Well, it's pretty funny. So, so that. Having just watched that again, I was laughing at that. So, I mean, the, the way they kind of make it look like he's a composer, he books a studio, and he goes in and plays keyboards and synth stuff and, and is doing it live. <laughs> and you would never book a room like that to play a keyboard in, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's like a sort of a relatively close approximation of what might happen. But I'm in the process actually of building a 7,500 square foot recording studio where my instrument collection is going to live. 
Oh, and, wow. and so, so, so that will resemble kind of what, what he's got going on there. The big difference again, being that the reason I will have a room, a very large room is that I will have all my instruments in there, microphones and we'll be recording. And I also, um, the sort of the centerpiece of the studio is, uh, do you guys know what a Wurlitzer theater organ is? Yeah. I was going to ask about that. You own a really famous one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bought that a couple of years ago, and it's been being restored. And so the the centerpiece of this studio is going to be that instrument. Um, it's got about between fourteen hundred and fifteen hundred pipes, and wow. a whole bunch of other instruments. Uh, you know, it has an actual marimba, uh, actual uh, vibraphone, glockenspiel. So when you're sitting at the organ and you press one of those colored tabs down that says marimba, there's an actual marimba up in one of these chambers wow. that's actually mechanically mechanically being played. So so that's that's kind of I love instruments like that and uh, they just keep everything fresh and exciting and and just as as pieces of history too they're also fascinating. So so yeah, so I would say yes in in, in that situation I will be in in my live room on the stage with whatever instrument I'm recording and then my assistant will be in the booth you know um, recording. Nice. And yeah, that that yeah. organ was it was on the 20th Century Fox scoring stage for decades, right? That's that's it. It was installed in 1928, and it um, was pulled off in '97 and sold uh, to a gentleman that's been sitting in crates for 20 years. Wow! And so it's so exciting to get it back. I mean, everyone, all you know, Bernard Herrmann used it, uh, Alex North used it, um, Jerry Goldsmith, John Williams, James Horner. Like it has this incredible history, and it was totally forgotten about, basically. Yeah, so it's, I'm so excited to put it back into a, a working studio, which is which is what it was built for. That's like finding Captain America in a block of ice and then thawing <laughs> him out and having yeah. him join the Avengers. Yeah, that's amazing. It is. It yeah, is. let's talk about yeah. your yeah. your instrument collection a little more. One thing I read that you own uh, is called a bone trumpet. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's like a. <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it's it's not really a functioning trumpet. I guess it, it's a it's. A human bone from, I guess what they do in, in Tibet and, and some other places is they, um, some of these monks, when they die, they have pieces of their, you know, bones made up into various things, sort of relics. Wow. And so this is, this is a femur and it's got a sort of a silver cap on one end. It's been hollowed out and a, and a, a silver sort of um, uh, cap on the other end. And I've had many trumpet players try and get a note out of it, and it's not really it's not really playable. But it's it's a, it's a really unusual sort of curiosity. Do you ever think they just wanted to have human bones in their mouth at one point in time? They're like, yeah, yeah I want to yeah. play it for the music of it, and it's like, really, yeah, who, just... know, who knows? That's crazy, though. That, that's an insane like yeah. like that's like a weird thing to get because it's a piece of people yeah yeah for sure yeah, yeah it's it's really weird it's weird it's like i don't know when you see it less it's like so old it, it's like less there's like a creepiness factory that i that factor that i think goes away when you actually see the thing because it's yeah. like yeah it, it is it would be like something you see in a in a church you know right it's so what's, really, what's it like being it, haunted <laughs> by the ghost yeah, of a tibetan exactly, monk that does make a a good segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about, though, which is horror movies. You've worked on a bunch yep. of horror movies. You're a big horror movie fan, as am I. Yep. What's nice. your favorite horror movie from the last, say, five years or so? You know, it's funny. I've been thinking about that a lot lately. There are a couple films I've been really impressed with. So I liked Get Out quite a bit. Sure, yeah. Um, I really liked It Follows. Yeah, that was weird. Um, yeah, I liked that I, one a lot. 
Yep, I liked the conjuring. I thought the first conjuring was great, like really genuinely scary and well done. So those would be three that I was kind of excited by because I, I, you're probably like me. I mean, I, I pretty much hit every horror movie that comes out and, yeah. and you know, more often than not, if I make it to the end, I, I, uh, I'm really disappointed anyway. And, um, those were, those were three films that sort of delivered in a way that was really awesome for us horror genre fanatics. Yeah. Have you seen uh hush? which is, it's a Netflix-only movie by Mike Flanagan. I did. Is that the one where she's in the cabin in the woods? Right, and she's house? deaf. I loved that movie yes, so I much. Yes, I did see that. Yeah, I thought that was pretty good, too. Absolutely. Yep. I've been, uh, I, I recently researched, I don't know why I fell into this pocket, but like old VHS horror movies that are worth like thousands and thousands of dollars, these ones that never got put uh. back out, like the collectability for VHS horror oh, is for out sure. of control. Uh. Because it's just a thing. Oh my like, god, it's crazy! Nothing went to DVD, and like a lot of stuff that would never make it, that would never make it into theaters, or was like removed or pulled or whatever, it only really gained a following on VHS. And so there's this huge, huge cult following for like Silent Night, Deadly Night, for example. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's yeah, we were going to do a radio play version of Silent Night, Deadly Night yeah. at one point. You know, <laughs> that movie was out for a week in theaters, and, and they it pulled still it. Still made a profit. Yeah, yeah, they pulled it after a week wow. and it still really? killed. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's an... In- way. Interesting. It's brutal. It's a brutal movie. I remember that. Yeah, About totally. Santa. I remember th- when I saw the... Te- I know. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when I saw the first one, I saw it at like 2 a.m. for the first time. Oh, yeah. And like the the opening music to that alone sets the the yep. tone for me for the whole time. Like that might be the, one of the you first... You mean the, the original original yeah, the, one? Yeah, the, the Toby yeah. Hooper, the 74. Like that to me... Yeah, I Toby Hooper. I mean, that, that's such a superior horror film. It's just so amazing. Yeah, and that did music like... like When I think about like Michael Myers, for example, in Halloween and that music that's so indicative of, of everything, but I, I'm not as creeped out by the Halloween theme as I am any of the music right. from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yep. Yeah, it's really right, creepy. Right. Yeah, it is. It yep. really is. Yeah, those yep, are two that movies. Whole, they just nailed that. That whole vibe is just so so disturbing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are two movies that almost kind of did the same thing right around the same time. Like they both really revolutionized horror movies. Yeah, like yep. just with mu- yep. the music and the the way they were shot. Do you find influences yes. in any of those? Uh, oh, like where where would you trace an influence back? Do you do you kind of go towards like the old masters, or do you like look at a lot of more current um, sort of people that you might even be your contemporaries by now? I mean, more, yeah, I guess more older stuff, like just for the Americans, um, you know, that, that the stuff I was listening to to sort of get into the, the vibe for what I thought I wanted to do on that show was like Dave Grusin's score to the firm, which I love. It's all piano, prepared piano stuff. Um, and then David Shire, some of his early scores, like Conversation, Taking Apollo 1, 2, 3, um, all those, all those great, some, some early Lalo Schiffer and stuff, like Dirty Harry, like all those, all those have, in one way or another, some influence on the score for the Americans, even if it's not direct. And then as far as horror films go, I mean, yeah, there's so many great, there are so many great horror, horror films, the scores. Like, I mean, the score to Rosemary's Baby, it's just, it's one of my absolute, oh, yeah. I, just got it on, I just got it on vinyl and, uh, you know, it's, it's Christopher Comida and that is, that is such an amazing score. Like he has so much unbelievable, cool stuff going on in there. It's too bad he, he died so young, but um, yeah, that's so score like that. To me, one of the best score horror scores I've written is also, um, you know, Dracula. Um, oh sure, I like the old Bella Lugosi well, one. Check, or the... No, we'll check Killar, the Coppola. 
Oh, the Dracula. Bram, okay, yeah, Bram Stoker's It's not not a great movie, but the score to that, man. Oh my god, it's yeah. just amazing. It's funny yeah. that's that's not a great movie mainly because it's super accurate to the book. And then you're like, <laughs> "Oh, maybe this book isn't yeah, as good as go. we thought it was." Yeah. Yep, yep. And like and like just a unbelievable wooden performance from Keanu Reeves. Yeah. I've got an accent. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? Keanu? Yeah, I know. It's just painful. Tom Waits is great in that movie though. He's in Oh, he, he is. He plays yeah. like the the crazy guy, right? Dad, or no, not yep. Dad. No. That's a um, that's a vampire. He plays he's, like he's an in assistant. He's, yeah, uh, he's in a, a Looney Bin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's fantastic in that. He's yep. another. He's yep. another artist who uh, is really adept at building his own instruments and kind of getting Absolutely. really unique sounds. He's got an album called The Bone Machine that a, a lot of the percussion yep. is built around this thing called the Conundrum, which was just like right, found. Right metal parts from around his yeah. farm. It's is that, amazing. Is that yeah. like the video of David Byrne where he's playing an entire warehouse? Yeah. Like he rigged the <laughs> piano up to an entire warehouse yeah. where each key does a yeah. different thing. Yeah. I love shit I, like that I like that so watch much. that probably cool. once a year I remember that video exists and I watch it because yeah. it's just insane. Yeah. Speaking of that, yeah. some of, uh, outside of, you know, movie scores and things, who are some of your favorite bands or musicians that you listen to just for rock purposes um i mean just in generally listening i like uh chris Seeley a lot the mandolin player oh uh, yeah yeah i've heard of him he i don't took o- not super familiar he just took over prairie home companion interestingly from garrison keeler but oh wow he's uh he's an amazing musician and, and i like him because he's taken much like yo-yo ma has and they've played together um much like yo-yo ma they've sort of you know, broken all the barriers as far as what people assumed was possible for those instruments. So I think everyone, I think, you know, pre Christie mandolin is very different from what it is now. He's really sort of genre busted that instrument in a really cool way. So he's someone I listen to a lot. Really, really great stuff. Um, I mean, you know, I listen to, I listen to Slayer. I listen to Taylor Swift. I listen to Coldplay. I listen to, you know, like nice. Bruno Mars. I listen to a whole bunch of stuff. But that is my favorite though moment when when I'm, I'm my iPod's on on uh, random or my iPhone it goes from uh, from uh, Slayer to Taylor Swift. Nice. That's a good that's a good transition. Yeah, it is. I always I, <laughs> I found it's really interesting. Sort of the classical instruments had sort of like a resurgence over the past ten years. When you look at like groups like like two cellos, for example, or someone yep, like Lindsay yep. Lindsay Sterling, I believe uh, people that sort of they use the instruments yep. but bring them into sort of contemporary sort of like uses uh i find that fascinating like two cellos absolutely and, yeah and do it and they do it in a way that's like taste you know most of the time that's tasteful which is i think the important thing because i think in the past when people have tried to do that it just is ultra ultra cheesy um but uh yeah it is it is cool to sort of see see that happening you um the, this is the last um, Americans related thing we'll ask about, and then we'll, we'll yeah, fine. let you go. Yeah. Um, you did a, a collaboration with Pete Townsend. It was actually his first, I think, his first song written for television, right? That yeah, I mean, his I, I think that's right because all of the other songs of his that end up in TV shows are licensed, right? Right. So I think I think it's definitely the first time he's he's you know written with someone for a, specifically for a TV show. And how did that come about? Yeah, that was amazing. So season two, before season two, Joe and Joel, the uh, creator and showrunner of, of, uh, of the Americans and the writers were sort of looking to, um, you know, up the sort of visibility of the show and, and, and across all their departments and looking for some interesting collaborations. And so they looked into, um, 
with our music supervisor, PJ Bloom, possible collaborations. And, and there was a really long list of exciting talent and, um, they, they reached out to a bunch of folks and, and Pete, Pete's people responded pretty quickly that Pete was a fan of the show and he was a fan of my music and, and was interested in, in talking more. Oh, man, what's that feel and like? So, yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> that was pretty mind blowing. It was crazy. Um, so we, you know, my phone rang in, in Topanga Canyon, you know, one morning it was Pete Townsend on the other end of the line. Jesus. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, we talked and hit it off. And so I sent him two tracks that were li- that lived sort of in the world of the sound of the score, but, but were structured in such a way that they could, you know, be sung over or played over. And so I sent them to him and I didn't hear anything for like a week or two. And then he emailed me like two weeks later and said, check Dropbox. And I didn't know, I didn't know what he was going to do. I thought he was going to play some guitar parts or whatever. And not only did he have guitar parts, he had vocals and he'd written lyrics and he sang. Wow. And so pulling up those, tracks on my studio computer was you know pretty unbelievably exciting hearing the hum of his amp before he starts playing i mean that was uh, yeah. definitely one once in a lifetime Are, so um yeah yeah so, th- so that was great so he sent that over and then his schedule was busy enough that's kind of i got what i got right and then i i went ahead and um the scene was about five minutes long so it took some doing to sort of weave it in and out of the score moments and turn it into something that that was um working musically but also worked really well within the context of the scene nice super dope yeah that's amazing if there's like are there people out there that that you're that are on like your wish list like your almost like your bucket list of of working with where you're just like god you know i just i i really need to work with you know like give me like three people yeah like that that you're just like these are my i I need to have them I, I mean, I'd love to, you know, work with a lot of these, like uh, Chris Seeley, I'd love to work with. I'd love to work with Yoyo Ma at some point. Uh, I'd love to work with Jimmy Page, although I don't, I, I uh, don't know yeah. sort of what that collaboration would look like. But, but yeah, no, there. I mean, there are always obviously a whole bunch of uh, interesting people to uh, to collaborate with. Um, I worked with Billy Gibbons from CC Top twice now. Nice. Um, yeah, he great. played guitar. Yeah, he played guitar on my score to Dukes of Hazard, and then he just. Uh, this January, I did a show called The Sun on AMC, which is a Western with Pierce Brosnan. And oh, yeah. Billy and I arranged, and he sang this Leonard Cohen tune for the for the final oh, moment wow. of the season. Yeah, that sounds Does he play a fuzzy guitar in real life, or is that just for video? Because <laughs> that'd be like <laughs> he, super... He, you know, I, mean, he has, I think he has like 700 guitars or 800 guitars. That's insane. So I, I think, you know, you, you name it, he's probably got it. But um, he he didn't play guitar this time. He just sang. But I mean, uh, that guy's voice is just—it's incredible. It's just yeah. like shiver-inducing. It's iconic too. Yeah. It's like it's. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, last question uh, before we get out of here. You worked with Hans Zimmer uh, early on in your career. Just what was that like, or what is he like? Yeah, I mean, that was very. That was. I can't believe it, but it was twenty years ago now, oh, um, wow. and I was his assistant for eight months. And then I got my first film and, and decided to go my own way. But uh, it was great. I mean, it was a really, it was like being thrown into the deep end of the pool because I knew nothing about, you know, music technology when I started working for him. And he's a big music technology guy. Oh, wow. And he's honestly responsible for pushing technology in a direction where, you know, the barrier for entry for someone to, to actually become a composer, I think, is lower now, which is generally a good thing because, because, um, you know, if you're scoring films and TV in the 70s, like you had to have massive stops as far as, um, sure. you know, theory and everything else to do it to some extent. 
So, uh, no, it was great. He's uh, <clears throat> obviously an incredible businessman. Um, he runs a, a company, like, with lots of composers, and he's really defined the industry over the past 20 years. Um, so it was a really good learning experience. Nice. Yeah. I, uh, and he, he, he sort of, he, 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 it was funny, at the time he didn't drive. So one of my jobs was to pick him up every morning and drive <laughs> him to work. <clears throat> and so he would very generously let me work in his studio when he wasn't there. So I was writing one day on a Sunday when he wasn't there. And he came walking in, and I guess his wife drove him in. And so I was like scrambling to hit quit. And then he, he like knocked my hand out of the way and hit the space bar. <laughs> and I had to sit there and listen. So I wrote this like, I don't know, two or three minute piece. And, and, and he was sitting there listening. My heart was in my chest. And when it ended, he turned to me. He's like, it's really good. Oh, like, wow. I changed this one, one bass note thing, but otherwise it's great. And then that sort of gave me the confidence to go out on my own. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's yeah, like kicking nice. you out of the nest there by telling you that. It's yep. just like you can fly. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. I had one, just one more question, and um, it's more okay. sort yeah. of like reflexive back. I mean, because a lot of times when I ask people what their favorite piece is, it's always the thing they're currently working on. I'm like, what do you like the right. most? And they're like, I like the song that I'm doing now for this show coming out. <laughs> and it becomes right. this promo piece. So I always like to say, not counting the stuff that's currently active. What's your What, what right. do you look back at and you say, this is my favorite piece? Like, this is the thing that when I... I, I want this on my grave, basically. Like, I, this is the thing that I really yeah. sort of look at. I don't. I. I mean, I'll be honest. In terms of wanting it on my grave, I don't think I've written that yet. I think that's that's. Sure. I'm really excited for what's coming over the next, you know, the rest of my career. But in terms of oh, that one thing, I mean, I mean, honestly, like I wrote a a score for small orchestra at the very beginning of my career. It was a little film called Red Dirt. I sort of go back and listen to that, and it, it's really thematic. And beautiful, and it's you know it's, I was a 25 year old kid, and I think it, I think there's, there's everything that I've done since then is in one way or another in that that early score. So it's like so a, I like that. Yeah, it's like an important start. That kind of like you're like it's it's yeah it's significant. I think right even right. absolutely nice. yeah I think so. I think it I think it was like there was enough there that it, it sort of when I wrote that score I thought okay I can do this. Yeah, you know, I can, I can, I can make a living at this probably. That's like awesome. That. Yeah, that's. I like it. Yeah. Well, thank you uh, so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> we really My appreciate pleasure. it. Is there uh, anything coming up Nate Bar related that you want people to look out for? Well, I, uh, let's see. So I've got I'm doing the Sun on AMC season two, um, Sneaky Pete, which is Brian Cranston's new oh, show yeah. on Amazon season. Yeah, with Giovanni. So that'll, that'll be coming out. Yeah. Yep, that'll be coming out uh, season two. We're, I'm going to start up on that in August. And then Americans last season this year, um, I just finished two films, one starring Anna Paquin, directed by her husband, Steve Moyer, of True Blood fame. And that's called The Parting Glass, written by Dennis O'Hare, who was uh, Russell Edgington in the show. Um, oh, yeah, nice. And then I just finished a film at MGM called The Domestics with Kate Bosworth and Tyler Hecklin, which comes out end of this year. Nice, cool. And then I'm working on adapting True Blood for Broadway as a musical. Oh, oh that's shit. dope! Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, so that that I've, I've already been working on it for years. But Elizabeth Scott <laughs> and I, she's my writing partner. Um, we've been uh, we we showed HBO the first act of that 
last June. And then based on the strength of that, they gave us the, the full go ahead. Oh, is. wow. That's, that's good. amazing. That's a good sign. Yeah. That's a lot to yeah. look forward to. All right. Well, uh, thank you again so much for doing this. We will uh, let you Absolutely. go and uh, let you get back to fighting the heat in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Stay strong. All right. Well, great talking Stay. to you both. It was an absolute yeah. pleasure, man. Yeah, right. it was really great. Thank you so much. Have a good one. All right. Take Bye. care. What yeah. a dick. <laughs> Dude was so awesome. Yeah, that was so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to talk I to. I like that. I always, Yeah, it is funny, though, whenever, like, there's always the answer of, like, there's not a piece that I love the most. You yeah. Know? It's yeah. just like the other is. Yeah. Like, well, he answered. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The yeah, red dirt yeah. thing. No, I meant for other people. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah. I wanna, yeah I'm going to, like, listen to that now. Like, I wanted to know because I want to YouTube that shit. Yeah, well, his his music for the Americans is so great. Yeah. And it it's it's so great that it makes me want to go out and check out his other stuff and especially hearing him talk about the weird instruments like that's probably has something to do with why i connect with his music because i'm such a big tom waits fan and i like really unconventional instruments and songs like the bone trumpet wrap your mouth around the bone trumpet yeah (laughs) yeah what's your your favorite instrument you like to play the bone trumpet yeah you you played a skin flute you know what i'm talking about Get your ass. You knew what you, you know what I was talking about when you were a teenager. So uh, we don't really have comments because we're recording this way out of order. Yeah. So uh, I have no idea where we are time wise. By the way. Oh, like, we're literally zero zero idea. We're over fifty minutes, so we're good. No, yeah. you're over fifty minutes. Shut your mouth. No, I will you not. Piece of shit. Adam, should we go to Burger King? Yeah, we could walk. I did just eat ten eggs. Oh, some I hate which you. was in an egg sandwich, but I'm still gonna go. Yeah, we can go. Yeah. So this was fun. I don't know when this is coming out. Well, just do well. No, no just, need to say that. Just say generic plugs. Yeah, come to the Darkest Hour, the second Friday of every month, eleven thirty p.m. Westside Comedy Theater. And I can't think of anything else that's going on the second Friday of every month. Well, you know what? If you guys have time before that show, you can hang out in Burbank with me at what? Mint on Card. What? It's the second Friday of every month. No. Beautiful blast from the past on Magnolia Boulevard Where? in Burbank, California. Burbank. Doors at 7. Doors, 7? Technically, the doors are like went over. They open at it's like... It's a store. They Go open at 11 a.m. They open at 10, yeah. The show starts around 7.30. We get a food truck. Shit's free. We get we give away so much free stuff. Yeah. It's bananas. It's and a fun show. Yeah, it, it's really great. And then, uh, so come to that. Wet your appetite. Then work your way over to the west side. Grab a couple of drinks. And then go to the west side theater. Yeah, and come see Darkest Hour. Good yeah, times. There it is. And uh, if you don't already, head to patreon.com and subscribe to all the rest of our podcasts. $5 a month. You get so many shows. You don't have to listen to all of them, but you can if you want. You it's should. a great, great deal either way. Great, 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 great deal. Really great. Patreon.com slash unpops. For all your Patreon.com slash unpops needs. Go there to bang sticks. Hey, aren't you going to miss, <laughs> you gonna miss deep frying the drumstick? <laughs> That's such a good sketch. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's. Jeff, say goodbye. You get the Nate Bar rookie card, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Red dirt. Red dirt.